<laughs> Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, our side quest college years episode, uh, where we uh, we interview a few students from Dr. Helms's class, Jason Helms, uh, who he'll tell you about his class and exactly what this semester was and what the assignment was and all that. But uh, yeah, every every semester we wanted to get a few of the students who made some video games in his class and and talk specifically about their games, why they made the games, why they made uh, players playing the games make those choices and talk about the graphics of the games, which is something I'm oh, interested yeah. in talking about a lot because uh, they are primarily text-based. Uh, so yeah, Jay, why don't you take it? All right. Uh, we have two students here today, and, and not just any two. This is uh, two of the three students who were voted best game in the class. Uh, the third student, uh, Katie, can't join in us. By the way, that was my superlative in high school as well. just want to say that. Was best game in the class. <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. <laughs> 90s jokes. You, you see, it's a pun. Yes. Uh, that was worth interrupting. Because I because I got it, I clearly yeah. also have the best. You know it's game. a good joke when someone has to be like, wait, can you explain it? So our, our third, Katie, couldn't join us, unfortunately, today. So we'll have a quick moment of silence. And now that that's done, um, <laughs> we uh, at the end of the class, the uh, final assignment, this is a class on gender and sexuality in video games. And the final assignment is to uh, basically create a uh, video game as an essay. Uh, so kind of a typical essay prompt that you would have in an English class. But uh, instead of actually writing the essay, you make a game. And so uh, the two students I have with me uh, each made games. We'll have you them tell us about their games in a second. Uh, let me introduce them. Uh, first off, Wellington Owen. Uh, Wellington, can you say hi? Hello, everybody. And Wellington, uh, what was your game called? My game, oh, I do, what did I call it? Everything to a computer. Every, everything to a computer, that's right. I went through a few different uh, variations of that name because I wanted it to get at what it was getting at without actually saying what the whole point of the thing was. So yes. what's the point of having a title that already tells you Oh, this is what you're going to get out of this all the way right. through. Right, that's true. And Wellington is a senior um, at TCU and has majors or minors across English, math, and music. And I can't remember the exact order of all of them. Many. Yeah, they've gone through several iterations. Uh, so right now I'm a math major with a writing minor, but I've had a music minor um, and I've had a writing major. So, you know... All sorts of things. You seem like one of those people kind of like Jason. It's going to be like, oh, I finished school. What should I do next? Ah, more school. More and then school. and then more school after that. <laughs> and then someday someone will pay the bill. As long as I'm in school, though. Is that, is that the plan right now? As long as, as long as I'm in school, no one can catch as me. As long as you're in school, you can <laughs> right. do whatever you want. That's right. <laughs> that is the law. Yep. It's called student loan deferment, and it's not entirely wrong. Right. My buddy, uh, one of my best friends, is finishing his residency in med school in two months. So that's a big bill that he hasn't had to worry about for fifty or for twelve years or whatever. Fifty, fifty years. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Jason, keep going. Well, hey, lots of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, and and next up is uh, Ian Townsend. Ian, what was your game called? It was PTSD Adventure. <laughs> I love that name. So straightforward. I love it. Uh, and Ian, you are graduating in, uh, December. Is that right? Correct. And just straight up writing major. Anything, anything else to add to that? Um, English minor. Oh, you're an English minor. 
Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, So I want to talk about each of these games uh, and we'll just, Ian, since you and I are talking now, uh, we'll just continue this. Tell us a little bit about your game, uh, maybe about how you approach this assignment. All right. So um, I was a nine year Navy veteran. I got um, released out uh, a medical discharge. Well, I've dealt a lot with uh, people that I know who had PTSD or, you know, the questions surrounding it. Like, do you have PTSD? I must have been asked a hundred times, do you have PTSD? And so it's all like something that's kind of concerned me, uh, an issue that's kind of like swirled around the, the service member world. And so when I started creating the game, I wanted to look at the kind of connotations around PTSD is how it's viewed, um, what kind of goes into it. Um, but I also wanted to look at it from outside the service member perspective. So I took it and I made two different options, a male and a female. So I made it a female service member and a male, a gay male, and they are put in situations that they have to deal with PTSD from certain situations. And each one faces different rooms that they where they face situations where it can either end or continue on and basically win the game by you know, surviving. So that was basically my goal was to, you know, you win the game by surviving and not, you know, suicide, overdose, um, you know, things like that. So you face different situations that people with PTSD would normally face, you know, based on different things that people understand PTSD looks at or deals with. Yeah, and one of the things you mentioned is uh, that you're in these different rooms, and they're not actual rooms, but the way that you design it in the game itself is by constructing a series of rooms that the player progresses through. Uh, Now, Ben, you played these games, right? I did. Uh, did. So you didn't see any of these rooms. What you saw were just a series of choices. uh, I saw Times New Roman. Yeah, you saw Times New Roman. But, uh, Ian, there were, was it over 100 rooms? Wow. Um. Uh, I think it was 50. Okay, I can pull it up. I, I thought oh, it was wow. over 90, but we'll, uh, I'll <laughs> my, pull it up and try been. and get some numbers. That is many. Um, yes, in, in total, it was 100. And it was 100. Yeah, it was over 100. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, uh, not only that, but in each of these, the really fun thing, Ben, as you're designing these, is you yeah. have to remember the number of the room um, yeah. that you're coding for and the number of the rooms that you want to lead people to. So uh, let's say um, in the first room, you have a choice between two things. Uh, room here's room one is called this, and here's a description of it. And then you say uh, choice A leads to room two. Choice B leads to room three. Okay. Right? Boom, straightforward. Sure. And then you code what room two is. Uh, well, now imagine that if you've got 160 some, some odd ones of them and trying to remember How do you visualize that? Thing. Um, so Ian, how did you do that? Well, what I did is I created a map, um, a flow chart. But that's how I started off, was I created a flow chart of what I wanted the map to look like in right. like realistic time. And then I kind of went from there, structuring um, how I wanted everything to pop out. And that's how I really wanted to visualize it, because it was hard and it was complicated to get a hold of like, everything. Because it took me yeah. like days and days of like going back through and re-editing because something would slip off or some different way. And I, and it was like pulling my beard out, trying to get yeah, like, yeah. It, something would slip off at the last, and I would have to go digging through the code to find the, the last minute, um, you know, searching for that error. 
So it was difficult, but it was, you know, once it worked, it worked. Yeah. So I think the game came out really well. Yeah. Should um, we describe the game more yeah, so go for as it. far as like playthrough? Yeah. Uh, ben, why don't you talk about your experience playing the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, real quickly. Because <clears throat> I didn't, sometimes I'm able to play these games and play through like every possible chain. I wasn't able to do that on these ones, but the, the, the <laughs> three or four chains I played on this, uh, or at least the first one I remember was I played as a man and very quick it was like, okay, how can I break this game? <laughs> how can I find the limits? How can I find the like cheats or whatever and be like, okay, I understand what this is doing as quick as possible. And it wasn't as easy as just pressing like one, 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 or three, three, three or whatever, but pressing like, the, the bad option, right? I was like, okay, I want to repress all of my emotions was my headspace. I want to ignore all of my resources, therapists and friends and whoever else keep coming at me and, and telling me, hey, like you have to deal with this stuff. And I just want to be like, what happens if I say no? Like, where are we going to go? And it ends poorly. Uh, it basically ends like you're you know, like Mario. If you jump into one of those uh, the cliffs, you die. Uh, and so then I went the other way. And it, it gives the option to undo, right? If you yes. die, yes, yeah. you can undo your last step. And so I, I was able to do that to kind of figure out, oh, okay, so there's still a way, even at the very last second, if I feel like I have no other resources, I've said no a million times to things, there's still that last resource to undo that and be like, okay, I'll, I'll accept the last bit of help. And through that, you're able to kind of have the, I don't know what you call them, but kind of the happy ending of the kind of like, oh, okay, like you're on your way towards mental health. Or the, the road to mental health kind of thing. But yeah, I think I, I don't know if it's just me, but I was my initial intention was just to like find out how to how to lose the game, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even give that a second guess. I wasn't like, oh, how can I get the most rubies? How can I win? How can I get the best life? I was like, all right, here we go. How do we die? I don't know. <laughs> was that Jason? Is that yours when you play these? Uh no, no. I okay. actually try to win first. Okay, um, cool. Because I <laughs> I, I'll find a way to die uh, sure. in most of the games if if that's an option. Yeah, um, yeah that that I will I'll discover just by a happy accident. Cool, cool. All right, and sorry. Back to your question that you had for Ian. What was it? Um, what was your? Oh, and so uh, yeah, I was going to ask, what do you think you learned, uh, or what's the the biggest thing you learned uh, from making this game? Um, one of the things I learned, aside from learning how to code this game and learning just the process behind, like making the game was um just some deeper things about um post-traumatic stress syndrome itself um as, apart from the things that i've already knew um i took a look at a perspective and it helped me build the game a different way and it also helped me kind of get some different perspectives to help put them in the game so it helped me streamline the game that way to make the game playable for people so that it wasn't overly complicated, but mm-hmm. it still made the game where they would couldn't just flow in and it would just be over. Like you would have to make choices and go back or play different ways to try to either succeed or fail, you know, depending on what to do. Uh, one thing I noticed as I was looking through your comments is your first comment is that you use the Thirsty Thursday game. I don't know if you remember yes. playing with that. Uh, you know, took the code from that as the origin, and that was actually a previous winner. Oh um, yeah, that's right. We had them on the podcast. Yeah. Yep, yep. So she's been on the podcast before, uh, Kristen. And um, so I, one thing that excites me about this is the idea that a future game may be using your code. Uh, yeah. And talking about that. Yeah. Uh, any advice for uh, for future students in the class, uh, future game makers? If you have something that you're 
passionate about that you think can like fit in a game and teach somebody or that can make a great game, but you don't know how to do it, learn and adapt it and make it happen. Don't give up and try something else. If you're passionate enough about it, make it happen. Because that's what I did. I didn't just give up because it was difficult at first. I want to say uh, one last thing is is just one of my favorite things about having Ian in the class. Ian's a, a decently big guy, um, big bushy beard, uh, and and he's got a, a presence, a big personality. And in a class on gender and sexuality in video games, as you might imagine, we're going to come across some uh, sensitive subjects, right? And not just sensitive in the sense that, you know, we may talk about sexual assault, we may talk about something like this, but also sensitive in the sense that some straight white guys might notice that uh, this thing called privilege exists. And sure. that might be sensitive for them. Yeah. Uh, they might have to work through some stuff in front of everyone. Uh, they actually don't have to work through it in front of everyone. They just seem to volunteer to. Right. Um, <laughs> and one of the things I loved about this class, and Wellington, maybe you remember this as well, is there were a few times in the class <laughs> where someone would say something stupid and Ian would just say, oh, no, no, that's not how it works at all. Uh, you know, yeah. Someone, oh, yeah, that was wonderful. <laughs> someone in class would say, like, well, actually, Dr. Helms, um, you know, women don't have it worse than men. Men are much more oppressed than women. Um, you don't know it, but actually men have it a lot harder. And then Ian would just say, actually, no, they don't. And here's all the statistics behind it. Right. And here's how you need to just fix yourself and sit down and <laughs> listen, because I think they have some things to teach you. And then we'd sit back down. Well, you know, being 34 years old, you know, being in the military and having some life experience yeah. uh, teaches you some things. Yep. True. True. Yeah. Yep. That was nice. Jason can just oh. kind of sit back in his chair while that conversation takes place. It's so good. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that's the biggest thing I've learned about those um, difficult topics uh, to teach in class is just a few students who are kind of on top of stuff fixes everything because yeah. it's, it comes across so much more different uh, when it's from a student. Oh, for sure. Um, Rather than me, you know, sounding preachy, sounding like, oh, this is the right way to do things in class. It's like, no, no, this is just a very real conversation between two people. Right. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So thank uh, you, Ian, for doing that. Yeah. 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 Before we get into Wellington, I don't know if you're going there, but um, what resources do you provide, just like technically, even for your students to create games? I'm sure a lot of it happens in class, but like, do you, are you like, here's a PDF of a bunch of websites where you can go learn it or, or how does that, how does that uh, take place and how does that define how different the games are? So the, the first big learning curve is uh, just figuring out how to even play text-based games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, still there. Step one. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, what was that experience like? Uh, and we'll, this is open to Ian. A question or on a question. What was that experience like just learning how to play these text-based games? Wellington, you, did you play them before you came into the class? I played a little bit. My dad was, um, a gamer, uh, well, I mean, as much as you can be growing up in an era when computers are, uh, sure. but uh, as these games became available, he kind of was in the center of them, uh, the early um, text adventures, and then um, like the early LucasArts games and things like that. And nice. so I, uh, yes, I know that those are some of your favorites. Yeah. Uh, and so I, had some exposure to them, but I didn't realize that there was such an extant scene of it. I didn't realize that there was so much still being done with these kinds of games and what that entailed in terms of the way they, they worked mechanically and whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, Ian, how about you? I 
nothing about like i mean i think i was peripherally aware of them my um, half brother i'm sure he played them and knew about them but i was i had no idea like when we walked into class and dr helm started talking about them i was just like what have i got myself into and you know i learned he gave courses he showed us what to do like gave us all this like knowledge and just kind of just dumped it on us and showed us like worked us through all this stuff and just like through different scenarios and different levels of teaching taught us how to do it till we got to that final project where we put it all together but there were quite a few people in class who were very intimidated by that i was just like i'm so far behind power curve right 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 yeah, I, I have the misfortune of having uh, two computer science students in my most recent uh, wow. version of the class. <laughs> and so uh, it was great. At, at one point, I'm, a student wanted to know about um, if loops and nested if statements. And so I'm like showing them in the middle of class, like how to nest if statements. And how so you, you can do, do that. Oh, cool. And, and I stop and I look at the, at the computer science students and say, hey, by the way, this this thing on the board behind me works. That's not the right way to do it, though, is it? And they're like, they're like shaking their head. They're like, no, no, nothing. <laughs> How would you do this? They're like, you could do it in like half the time if you just switch the order on these functions. I was like, oh, oh, that does save time. Good call. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. me, it's completely self-taught just through awesome. this stuff. Um, but it's it, it's been really fun for those students as well. Um, because they'll tell you that inform the language that you end up coding this in is really janky. Oh and yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, this so is what it, Inform Seven or something. Inform Seven, yep. And it's all building on top of each other. Uh huh. It just gets jankier uh, as it goes. The the jank flows. Wow. So so yeah, it, it's it's a great class though. I mean, it's really fun because students do have to learn. I I love the way Ian put it about you know you just dump all this knowledge on them. And it's like they need to learn about the history of video games. To even know, you know, why did these things exist? Yeah. Why do people still play them? What does this look like? Uh, they need to learn about actual, you know, kind of uh, the theory behind how video games work, what makes a good game, what makes a bad game, what's appealing, those kinds of things, um, how to make good puzzles. Uh, they need to actually learn how to code. Uh, they need to learn the actual kind of content knowledge around gender and sexuality, how uh, both have been played in video games and ha- had something to say about video games. All of these things have to happen along the way. And to do all of that, uh, it's really a fun class in terms of just pedagogically how you have to design it so that there has to be enough scaffolding of the uh, things throughout the semester so that all the students learn enough yeah. uh, and stay involved. And so all and, the games aren't identical either. Exactly. Yeah. And it really pushes students at first very close together. Uh, so the, yeah. the first assignment is a um, book report, basically, but on a video game. But the second assignment, and, and that's just to get them to play a text-based video game for hours and hours and hours. Uh, because during that process, you'll learn more about how the games work. You just say, like, uh, here, go play Zork. Uh, you, I, I let them choose one from the interactive oh, cool. fiction database. Oh, uh, sweet. So there's, there's a few assigned ones. Everybody has to play Zork. Everyone has to play Photopia. Nice. And then there's, there's a lot of variety. Uh, and then the second assignment, uh, you have to make a one-room video game um, that has a puzzle. You just have to combine two objects to win the game. So it could be, um, you know, there's a mug on the t- on the table. There's a pitcher next to the mug. Pour the pitcher into the mug. Drink the cup. You win, right? Mm. That can be the entirety of the game, and it can take literally five minutes to code. 
so the, the sticking point is you have to make a unique player character. Um, so Ian and Wellington, do you remember what you guys made for those? I think I coded God. <laughs> so yeah, God I think is I coded the big bang. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I remember. That. Yeah. Yeah. The big bang. That's right. That's awesome. You play as the universe. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Wellington, what was yours? Um, mine was a, uh, a character who's performing or who's at, at a piano on an empty stage yes. with, oh, that's right. With no audience. So complicated. It was, it was absurdly complicated. I'll be honest. Um, but it was sort God. of like the, wow. the uniqueness, the unique character player character was a sort of the least implied polyamorous character, um, polyamorous bi or pansexual character. So that was kind of an interesting thing to explore with mechanics that didn't actually have anything to do with that identity per se. And he coded every key on the keyboard. Of the I coded piano. every single key on an 88 key piano. Uh, it was a little bit was, absurd. And that only led to like three of the seven endings. Uh, were you know which melody did you play? Right, right. As you as you looked at the sheet music, it's like Loom. Uh, yeah, yeah. It very much reminded me of Loom. I think I may have. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. I love Loom. Yeah, Loom, man. The, it's it's more complex than Loom somehow. Uh, but <laughs> oh I wow! The, I think the win game was um, like the best ending is if you get up and just walk away from the piano. Yeah, that was one of that was uh, one of them. Cool. I wanted that to be an option. That's cool. So yeah, it was it was a very very fun one, and then I think my favorite of that batch—I uh, cannot remember the student's name right now—but I'm sure uh, one of you will. You played as the Inform operating system. Oh, I remember that. I can't remember who did that. Yeah, and so you were like it, at first you were kind of within the operating system, and and not only that, but you were experiencing someone coding the game around you, and they weren't. It was somebody who wasn't very good at it. Yeah, that Ooh, that one that kind awesome. of broke me. Was that's that Grayson? Cool. Grayson, that's who it was. Oh, yeah. it was. It was Grayson's. That's exactly right. Oh, yeah, it would have been him. He's wild. very mad. Uh, it was yes. really fun. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, and then you do a group project after that, where I say, you know, hey, you can just plug in four of your games together, and what? you just kind of got to figure out a way to uh, make it kind of narratively work. Yeah. And so you can see that projects two and three. Are Why can't you make it sound like that'd be easy? Just throw these games yeah. together, guys. See you next so, week. So imagine it this way. Uh, let's say um, it'd be easy if you were in Grayson's group, right? Because Grayson could be like, well, all of them are taking place within Inform. Okay. And so I'm going to use mine as kind of the frame narrative. And so instead of the different sequences we went through in my game, we'll go through one in which you were the Big Bang. And it doesn't work because your code doesn't compile. And then okay. we'll do another right. one in which you're uh, this pianist. And then it doesn't work because of this other thing. Sure. Um, and, you know, that, that can work as a frame yeah. narrative. But that's, this is intentionally, you know, pulling at the other piece of how do you get the player character to change? How do you get that to work seamlessly? Yeah. Uh, the real payoff, though, is things that Ian would do with his game would be problems that um, Wellington had never seen before. And things that Wellington did with his game would be problems that Ian had never seen before. And they start to teach each other. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they build relationships. So then when they get to the final project, which is the last third of the semester... Um, they've got those relationships and they're able to talk to each other and mm. say, okay, hey, can you help me figure out how to do this? Uh, I remember you designed an 88 key keyboard at one point. Um, <laughs> that's going to help me figure out whatever I'm doing. Um, clothing racks. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 
Yeah, that's it. It it, yeah. it really the arc is pretty good, and I just handed it off to the for the first time. It's being taught by someone else right now, so I'm excited to check in and see how things are going uh, as someone else takes the reins. That's Sweet. exciting. All right, the other game. All right, Wellington. Uh, let's talk about your game a little bit. Um, actually, Wellington, before you talk about your game, um, Ben, tell yeah. us about the experience of playing Wellington's game. This was rough. This was rough. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so I don't play these games very much. I graph, I like graphics and not like I'm a graphics snob. Everything has to be like 120 <laughs> Hertz or whatever. Like I, I literally just, when it comes to text, I like, I'm playing the game right now. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out like it comes down and it says, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Cause I hit the, already hit a wrong button, but I don't understand like what to do when it says home emptier than you left. Uh, I left it before going to bed. Uh, emptier, quieter, and darker. You can see no light switch, no lamps, no chairs, or window dressings. Just the bed, a wall, a mirror, a desk, and the bright white computer screen screen illuminating the room. So immediately now that I know what to do, I'm like, there's a computer in front of you. Use the computer, dummy. But originally I was like, <laughs> oh, it's a text-based game. I remember these when Jason sent these to me. Walk north. <laughs> and it says, you can't go that way. So of course, I do all the others. And I go, okay, just walk. It says, you have to say which compass direction. It's like, come on. So I was stuck there for way too long. <laughs> Texted Jason angrily, walked away. Uh, and then he's like, what else is in the room? I think, or I think you even like played the game and sent me the PDF of the whole yeah. thing. Uh, but I tried not to look that. You did walk me through. And you're like, what else is there? I was like, oh, there's a computer. And like, what can you do with computers? I was like, oh, got it. So logged in uh, and loved at that point when I got over my own frustration and kind of like got the hang of it. Uh, I like the usage of different fonts, by the way, that was something that I, I didn't know was like, Oh, thank you. Allowed. I, I just right. ran across that. Like, Oh, there is a font thing. I'm doing a thing with computers. Let me just do that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Love the I think that may have been something that somebody else found for some other thing. It wasn't like specifically this yeah. font, but like, like they were using like italics or bold or something. And it's like, oh, well, now I've learned this from this other person. I can apply it here. Yeah. So you have like a courier type in there. And then obviously there's bold. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot. That helped me kind of decipher what the verbs were, what the nouns were. Uh, and I think the, the way I got through your game, I had to back it up. And I can't remember, Jay, if you brought this up to me or if I, I thought this up myself, I'm going to say. Uh, but it's basically, it's like, classic adventure games that we play, uh, whether it's Monkey Island or whether it's Loom or whatever it might be, uh, that you, our strategy always is to go through and pick up and interact with everything. If you right. do that, you'll get like halfway through the game pretty quickly, basically. And it'll take a while. Uh, and so with games like this, they're a little more simple, shorter. You just kind of focus on, in yours, I think it's the bolded words. You focus right. on the nouns in the room. What are the things in the room and what are the verbs you can do to those nouns? And if you do that, you'll probably beat the game pretty quickly. I didn't think about it that kind of explicitly. Go verb the noun, yes. Yeah, go verb the noun, right? And that's most of these. That, that's uh, Zach McCracken, right? Go pick up oh, yeah. that thing, talk to that lady, whatever it is. Uh, and so as soon as I started thinking about it that way, that kind of unlocked something where I was able to kind of find the, the shard and find all these different like next levels of the game uh, and kind of able to figure out the end and figure out kind of the puzzle. Which I think this was the first game that had a puzzle in it. Was that correct, Jay? That we played on the, for the podcast at least that for the, uh, your students. Yeah. Or, or, or this presented itself as a puzzle. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So you could look at like not dying and committing suicide. <laughs> as his, Which as obviously I don't right. look at death that way. I, I look at death as like, yeah, let's do that first. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Was there more to that? I just talked for a while, Jay. No, that, <laughs> no, that was great. Uh, let me just briefly for the listener say, uh, so you start out in a room 
with a bunch of stuff in it, uh, but most notably a computer. And the the puzzle, the main puzzle, is the computer is trying to figure out what gender you are. And it can't based on the things in the room. So there are uh, sports equipment in the room, there's uh, makeup stuff, and there's music stuff. Right. Um, and it says, in order to um, for me to determine uh, your, your gender, I need you to go to your profile and uh, change your interests. You know, cut out some stuff. Uh, and you can't. But if you investigate everything in the room, you slowly put together a, a note that says, in case of anxiety, break glass. And you can uh, break the mirror, um, use one of the shards from the mirror to cut the different profile entries. And so that's that's an interesting yeah. jump because the profile entries, again, are inside the computer. They are conceptual. And so you're trying to figure out, oh, that's that's a fun kind of logical leap that you have for people. Nice little... Um, Parallel thinking. Yeah, it's sort of drawing from a sort of magical realism mm-hmm. of the mirror being so symbolic, and mm-hmm. that it's this real, like physical, visceral object that is responsible for what is essentially data. What is essentially this, like interacting with this digital world. And then I, I love that the the interaction is just to cut with this shard of mirror. Uh, to cut these different things. And so if you cut uh, music, for example, it doesn't have any effect. If you cut um, makeup, then all of a sudden it perceives you as male. The computer says, uh, you're male, you're going to have to cut more things if you want to attempt manual uh, gender selection. Right. If you cut um, sports instead of uh, makeup, it assumes that you're female and then says the same thing. And if you cut everything, then it allows you to give manual entry. Right. Uh, And this was something that was nice. Um, If you say male, it says uh, your fingers just can't type it. And if you say female, same, same deal. And it's, you only win the game by saying neither and by rejecting it. And uh, Wellington, do you remember the, the message you get when you say neither? Um, I don't um, remember it word for word, but it was um, something along the lines of, um, I don't remember exactly how it worked, but the computer do doesn't know what to do with it because everything is binary to a computer. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Which was sort of playing with the idea of like the gender binary and digital binaries being not entirely coincidentally related. Mm-hmm. Nice. nice, I like that. Yeah, so... Uh, tell me a little bit about how you made this game, where this idea came from, how it, it was originally created, because I, I think that there's some clear ideas there, but also a lot of really interesting ways that you got there. Well, I drew a lot of the sort of bare bones from my first game, which was just, which was again, one room where you're at a piano on stage, like that's all that there is. But I was also, um, I had a couple of sort of, inspirations going into it one of them was a game that we played in class or for class called galatea by emily Mm -hmm. short which is about a woman a statue something someone depending on how you interpret that uh on a pedestal in an art gallery and you're engaging with this person interacting with them but um i sort of i liked the idea of if we're dealing with gender in a complex way, like that's a very lonely experience a lot of times. And so being trapped alone in this room where the only interaction you have is with something that is explicitly non-human 
and, and that grew into an understanding of there there's this dual binary going on here where the computer is trying to because it's built to it's sort of rep, it is every institutional framework it's trying to put you into a nice neat category that it can understand and that's not how humans work humans are messy yeah I like the the dual binary idea, and I like the connection back to Galatea, which is uh, a really fun, interesting game, um, and also concerned with gender and concerned with uh, artificial intelligence and humans. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the the final line I looked it up is uh, the computer. If you choose other, the computer screen flickers, the light flashes once brightly, then goes cold. Which is a much more evocative ending than than my version of it. So I wanted to make sure I got a chance to actually read it. Um, did you have anybody else play this game outside of class? Um, I did. I had um, a couple of friends play it. I think I may have gotten my folks, or at least my dad, to play it. I'm not sure, but um, uh, yeah, I had a few friends play it. I had to teach most of them how that sort of game worked. Um, So I think I may have given them a maybe more accessible game, like um, something like Photopia or something to start with, but um, something that could kind of get at the principles of it. Yeah. Um, But um, I got kind of mixed reactions, which is kind of what I expected because people don't expect to come out of game, a game feeling like, Oh, I won, but I didn't though. Right. Yeah, what does that mean? What does winning look like? Um, right. Because there isn't really a win condition. There's just an end, which is kind of the point. Yeah, that's true. Huh? Yeah, it's it's funny to me that um, the extent to which we expect games to have a win scenario, we don't expect books or movies to have a, a win scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I but, felt like that was a strength of um, Ian's as well, yeah. that even the ones that are sort of quote-unquote wins or successes, like, you still feel like you've been through hell. Yeah, Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, And it it makes me think about just how weak most kind of commercial games are in their endings. Uh, Especially if you look back to a lot of the games of the 90s that I was used to, console games, uh, where it would just be a game over screen, some kind of, you win, everything's safe, everything's great, bye. Right. they were just so unsatisfying in their endings uh, because they were trying so hard to figure out what what does a windscreen look like? What does that feel like? Um, well, it's interesting. And, yeah, and but... I think so many good games that are really interesting don't have windscreens exactly. They end a little mm-hmm. bit more like novels. Uh, right. It's yeah. the end of that that part of the story, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it can like... be an ambivalent ending. It doesn't have to be a, a just a good ending. Well, like with Gone Home that we played in class, the ending has a positive note, but it's also still left very ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. What is the yeah, can you imagine for... Gone Home with a high score? Oh, R- no. High score? no. <laughs> oh, jeez. You left the most lights on. Oh, I really did. <laughs> All the lights. All the radios are on TVs are turned on. Oh, we got to play that again. Oh, man. All right. Um, so what... Uh, well, first off, Ben, do you have any questions for Wellington? Uh, I think they answered all the questions I have, sure. or I asked you them already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ben is not used to these games. What games would you recommend to him oh, yeah. to play? What was one of your favorite games from the semester? Student or general? I'd, I'd say general. 
Uh, mm-hmm. just in yeah, case um, the didn't give permission. Right. Um, I'd say, again, I really recommend Galatea. Galatea is fascinating. Emily Short, in general, is just yeah. wonderful. One of the games that I played on my own, uh, which kind of inspired some of the, like, wordplay that goes on, like, especially with that um, mirror shard, um, was a game, uh, again, by Emily Short called Counterfeit Monkey mm-hmm. that is playing with, um, like, the mechanics are based around wordplay. And so it's a little bit more traditional than Galatea, and it's, like, you can go north and go northwest and then pick up the thing and do the thing. But it's still very clever and complex. It has some real commentary going on as well. It's not just fun mechanics for the sake of mechanics. All right. Check those out. Ian, how about you? Gunmute. Yes, Gunmute. Gunmute gun gun is my oh, favorite yes. game. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a first-person shooter. I mean, yeah. it's in, in text-based form. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. With a gay robot protagonist. Exactly. Woo. I'm all in. I'm all in. Dude, I'm all. It is a game. That is, yeah. yeah. Gunmute is amazing. Gunmute. Yeah. And then I would say uh, Photopia, I literally can't play it without crying. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Uh, God, Photopia is good. And then uh, 905. Did either of you play 905? I don't think I did. No. I don't think we did yeah. play that. I'm going to have to go and look at it you, now. You guys got to go check out 905. I think that might be Ben's favorite game if I'm thinking of By the way, Jay, if we can bring this back to a, uh, a point that we talked about pre-podcast that listeners won't get. 905 <laughs> is the area code for Ontario. There we go. Canada? I don't know. Uh, I think <sighs> so. But I don't understand how, how countries work. Keep talking. Anyway. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, so there's some recommendations and uh, dear listener uh, don't worry you'll be able to play both of these games they'll be uh, housed on our website Ben what's that website again that is momf.com m-o-l-m-f or momfpod or menoflomofiber.com I can say that good we have and three domains it's a big deal that that title is Ooh. a reference to what video game anyone on the call besides Ben oh man. oh um it is it oh why can't I remember the words for it uh, Secret of Monkey Island it is. Yes. Nice work, yeah. Wellington. Yeah. I, I had a suspicion you might be there. <laughs> which, by the way, this month we're playing The Curse of Monkey Island, which is the third in the many, I was going to say trilogy, but there's like nine of them. So, yeah. And there's like five of them, I think. Anyway, so that'll be coming out in a couple weeks, too. More Monkey Island for us. More Monkey Island. I just downloaded it before this call. I'm excited to get back nice. to it. Nice. We're almost done. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm Way joking. But yeah, and I'll post links to all those, the five games that you guys just uh, just shouted out in the show notes as well. So people can Sweet. follow up with those, not just me. So yeah, thanks for joining us. This is awesome. Absolutely. Thank really appreciate having, having you guys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks again. Um, yeah, we don't have a good sign off for this one. I'll do a sign off uh, later. Until next time, the college years. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah.